Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We just want to let you know that the following episode does discuss eating disorders. So if this is something that's triggering for you, maybe check out another episode. Whatever is the best decision for you, we support. And just remember, there's nothing wrong with getting help. Thank you so much. It was like, this is fart dinner. Oh, and there's chickpeas in it too. Oh, I love chickpeas though. Oh, you were right by the way. It is par- parakeets. Parakeets. Parakeets, not parakeets. Oh yes, I knew I was right. <laughs> Hi everybody. Thank you again for joining us. This is our fourth episode, which is really exciting. And if in case you are a new time listener or you forgot, we are type A for anxious. We are best friends and we are not healthcare professionals, but we do have a lot of anxiety and we do some research. So we get the professional information for you all. And um, I am Dorothy England and I am here with my lovely co-host. Josie Savage. Today we are talking about something near and dear to both of our hearts and it is anxious snacking or or food anxieties in general. So can't wait to dive into this. And I know that you have a whole bunch of great stats. Do you want to start us off with something? Yeah. I mean, really quick though, let's do a check-in. How are you doing this week? Oh, I I always (laughs) forget to do the (laughs) check-in. No worries. I always forget. And you know what it is because we get on here and we start talking. So that's like my check-in. And then I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) We have our real check-in and then we have the podcast check-in. Yes. (laughs) So Dorothy, uh, how have you been? I've been good, I guess. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I always forget what I've done. I, I, I know I've said this before, but I need to have notes on my life because I don't remember my own life sometimes. I just... And don't you feel like time's been going by really quickly lately, or it's just odd? I, ever since um, I think the whole COVID thing last year, even though we're kind of at, there's a light at the end of the tunnel now, I feel like time is still passing really odd. Yeah, it's weird to think that a year ago, I was sitting at home thinking I was just on a long furloughed vacation at this time. <laughs> so I was in a really weird place but but you know everything is better I think for me I'm really grateful to say that it worked out for the best for me so um but yeah this week has just been it's been good I feel for myself I've been getting a lot of creative projects done and it makes me feel if there's a hole inside of myself I've been filling that hole and you know I think that if you do something that you're passionate about you know regardless of what other people think or if you're getting money for it or you know if you just do it for yourself I think that there's something really beneficial in that. That's so funny you say that because I feel like I've been so busy that I keep missing my creative side. You know, (laughs) I go home and I sit down and I fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. I need to connect back to that creativity. (laughs) Have some creative dreams, you know? Yes. I know that we talked about this, you and I before, but I think it is funny. Just I was talking about how lately with the weather getting warmer, everyone's going outside and getting active. 
And I have a really active husband, which is great, but also sucks sometimes when you don't want to do anything. So this whole week, every day that it's nice out, I've been dealing with the pressure of, oh, I have to go outside and do something or else I feel guilty. Yeah. So all week I've just been like, I need to go exercise, but then I don't. And then I feel guilty or I go out for a walk and then I'm like, was that enough? Well, I have it. I've had this in my entire life. I burn so easily that I am afraid sometimes to go outside and everyone is like, summer, I'm going to wear my bikini and woohoo, all these. And there are so many fun summer activities, but I burn. You've been with me at the beach and I'm, you know, I'm like, under oh, yeah. towel, you know, poking out my eye being like, is it okay to come out yet? Is there a the largest like umbrella hat that you can find? <laughs> So So it's so funny. So you get nervous about going out when it's nice out. And I feel guilty if I miss going out when it's nice out. (laughs) Yeah. I went out today for maybe 20 minutes and I was like, okay, this is enough sun. I can feel my skin warming up. I'm done. (laughs) Oh yeah. See, I went out for 20 minutes and went back in and then I felt guilty that I was only out there for 20 minutes. (laughs) Each their own, right? (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, let's dive into our topic today. So again, yes, it is all about snacking, which I have no problem with. I am a very good snacker. Me too. I'm professional. I always wanted to be a food critic just so I could make eating a job. Oh my God, yes. Throw me a stat. All right. So because we are in COVID times, I decided that maybe it'd be interesting to start off with some COVID-related information in regards to snacking. So there was a study that was done. It was actually either the largest or one of the largest uh, nutritional surveys that has been done in the U.S. And so it's called a it's called the COVID symptom study, and it found that out of ninety seven thousand people surveyed, thirty one percent of them have increased their snacking, and they've gained an average of seven pounds. And twenty percent of those surveyed have increased their alcohol consumption by twenty percent gaining an average of 4.6 pounds. And this was all recorded between the, uh, the months of March to June of this previous year. So those are some pretty hot statistics. So 31% of people have increased their snacking. I, like we mentioned, I am definitely one of those people since COVID, I have increased my snacking. I am one of the alcohol people. Oh, <laughs> I think uh, except for the year after I turned 21 and was mm-hmm. just like, woohoo, alcohol. I think I've been drinking a lot more, um, when it comes to kind of drinking away your anxiety or stress, you know, I think since being stuck at home a little bit more, or just since there's been a lot going on in the news to consume, I mm. definitely rely more on that glass of wine at night. Yeah, I don't, I can't say the same is true for me. I think for me, I'm getting more of the additional, not necessary calories from snacking from, you know, treats and savory stuff and just anything that probably is not good to eat. I'm eating, you know, the snacks for little kids, I'm (laughs) eating them. I am a big kid. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love those. So I have something, I have something to say about that stat. I feel like I want to come at that on the other end of the spectrum and say that that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I don't think people have to feel upset or ashamed that they've gained weight. I know for myself that I gained some weight. Um, I started some medication and I think that was the real, that was the start of it for me. Maybe it was also just coincidental, but it felt 
as though my, my metabolism had changed and I started gaining weight and then I had a bad concussion and I could, I, I wasn't able to be af- or, um, active for maybe a month. And so I slowly started gaining weight. And, uh, in the last two years I've gained almost 25 pounds. I, I remember being younger and, you know, this is hard to say, but I was judgmental of people who were overweight. And I think that a lot of people are, whether consciously or subconsciously, and I would always pride myself in my body being like, oh yes, I'm skinny. If I like suck in enough, I can fit into, you know, size zero, which, you know, like a used zero, but of course, but I still, I definitely had uh, complicated feelings about it. And now I'm like, wow, it's actually really hard to, you know, the older you get, usually the slower your metabolism goes or the more hectic that your life gets and and food is such a comfort and so now I I have a lot more sympathy experiencing it and for myself I think that ideally I would want to lose some weight but I work I try really hard not to let it be an indication of how happy or how sad I am you know we have a mutual friend uh shout out to Morgan who said you know you should be grateful for what your body can do for you versus how it looks, which I, Mm. you know, that was a powerful thing she said to us that day. It it really hit home for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I try to remember. And that's what I, I I guess, as we're starting out this podcast, talking about eating and stuff, I want to make sure people know that your weight doesn't mean anything. It's not, you know, a bad thing to gain weight. Everyone's different and everyone's bodies are different. And most of us love snacking and it's like, it doesn't have to be something negative. Right. And the other thing too, is that somebody's weight does not indicate what kind of person they are. You know, I think that's the biggest takeaway. And and I have to remember that for myself too, because sometimes you can, you can be surrounded by people who they, they are so cautious of themselves, of their snacking and they are so athletic. And sometimes you just, you let that comparison grow and fester and then it just becomes this really negative environment and I think you know you are not defined by your weight it doesn't mean anything about you it's just another characteristic right and I think like you said in a time where a lot of people have maybe just snacked a little bit more and their weights changed I think it's important for everyone to just remember that that's 100% okay and all different body shapes are beautiful. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this was interesting though, this whole statistic about snacking, you know, because it was what it was doing, it was comparing, you know, snacking versus lockdown compared to holiday snacking. And usually people do gain weight around the holidays, you know, there's better quality food, you know, you're with family, you get treats, you know. So they were saying that normally around the holidays, you gain about point. pounds from November to January. And that's pretty yearly. That's pretty routine. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then during lockdown, people are gaining on average 1.5 pounds between the months of September to March. So I thought that was really interesting because I think that it's a really good indicator. If you think about the holidays, it's a stressful time, but it's also a cheerful time, you know? And so there's a lot of emotions. Maybe you're seeing family that you don't always see, or you're getting gifts, or you're trying to get gifts. You know, there's just, there's a lot of things going on. Whereas with the lockdown, I don't know that there is anything really good from that. 
I mean, I think that you could look at things as silver linings, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like spending time, more time with family or something like that. Yeah. There wasn't anything like who you live with, you know? Right. But it, it's not the same as a holiday where usually people are celebrating something. Mm-hmm. Nobody was celebrating anything during lockdown. And so it just goes to show how much stress can really affect our eating habits and how much comfort we find in food. You know, that made, that made me feel mm-hmm. really validated to know. Yeah. I think people turn to food for so many different reasons. Like you said, it could be happy. It could be comfort. It could be, you know, stress eating. I think there's, that's interesting, you know, that people have, you know, with a pandemic that they've never experienced, they, a lot of people turn to food just like they do at the holidays right? when it's a cheerful time, but then there's also stresses. I'm curious, what's your experience I guess say, tell me more about what your experience is with like anxiety and eating. I actually have to share something and Josie, I've never actually told you this before. I'm really, I'm really nervous. I don't know if you can see my hands. I just want to preface this by saying that I'm sharing this because when I hear other people share their own experience, it makes me feel better. It makes me feel less alone. And it, and I think in some weird way, it also makes me want to get help because I think in admitting when you have a problem, that means that you are starting to see the light to help. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have probably, I think at least since puberty, maybe a little bit after puberty. So I, I hit puberty probably around like 13, 14. Um, I have had an on and off relationship with binge eating and bulimia and uh <laughs> I'm like really nervous wow. sharing this because I don't, I, I, and I've a, known you that long. Yeah. That blows my mind. And I've, uh, yeah, I, it's a really, so the thing with bulimia too, is because I think that I know that I, I have wrongfully had this assumption that, you know, anorexia is the more, um, glamorous one and bulimia is the gross one because you're puking. And it is gross. It is, you know, I'm not going to try to glamorize it for anybody. It's gross. And it, I've popped blood vessels in my eyes from making myself puke. Uh, I felt like I couldn't get the taste of puke out of my mouth, you know, and you're making yourself literally sick. The most recent time that I did it was actually maybe under a month ago. It was the same day that my grandmother, I found out that my grandmother passed away. Oh, wow. And I... So of course, what happens is I I get really upset and I get really emotional and I eat anything and everything. It it doesn't even matter what I'm eating. It doesn't even have to taste good. Like I will eat American cheese by the slice. I will eat rice cakes. I will eat cookies. I will eat carrots. Like I will just eat anything that's in sight. Obviously the better food tastes better, but it doesn't matter. It's like, I'm just trying to fill this emptiness. Mm. And then, and then after that, I still have room for all the shame and that's what makes me feel full and sick and disgusted with myself. And then I, I make myself sick because I, it's this whole cycle of just being really unstable. It's a really, I think it's an embarrassing thing. And it's not, mm-hmm. at least for myself, I don't think that it's as obvious sometimes because I also have a weird relationship with food where I love eat. I don't really like eating with other people because sometimes I see food as better company, mm. <laughs> which, you know, I'm sorry that you're in competition with my chips, Josie, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, that's part of it too. It's that when I, 
like I remember, you know, we used to both work at the same restaurant and they would give us a complimentary meal at the end of the day. And some people would eat at the bar and hang out. For me, the best moment was when I could get home and eat it alone. And I would just devour this huge meal and I had it all to myself. And it's just mm. a really, it's a really sad thing. You know, I look back on that mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, like, why was I so, um, you know, so, so sad and so scared to share that with other people because food brings us together. And, mm-hmm. and it's something I still, you know, my grandmother, like I, before my grandmother's passing, I hadn't made my, I hadn't made myself throw up in a while, but I think I just, sometimes my emotions just tilt me. So it sounds like it's triggered from some kind of trauma, like you Mm. have to be triggered by something. And so, and maybe I'm wrong, but is it something that you do routinely or is it something that you really turn to mostly when you're upset? It's mostly when I'm upset. It's definitely, Mm -hmm. and it's only because I have other moments where I'm upset and in those moments, I'm just, you know, irritated. So it's Mm -hmm. not something that every time I'm upset, upset, I'm going to do it. I think the other thing too, is that a lot of times we feel, so my grandmother, she was a beautiful, slender woman. And Mm -hmm. she always, she always told me this, that she was like, when I was younger, you and I look so similar, except you're a little bit heavier and you have a bigger bust, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think part of the reason too, that especially that day hit me was because I ate all that food and then I thought of my grandmother and how ashamed she would be of me being mm. overweight. And I think that she also grew up in a time where maybe it was more acceptable for eating mm. disorders. Not that it is a good thing, but maybe it was more, you know, what what's on the outside and what looks respectful matters more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something huge to be aware of. I think something that everybody needs to be aware of is that maybe we need to stop talking to people about weight. Maybe you compliment somebody differently other than being like, you look very thin. That's wonderful. Cause now they all of a sudden internally have this pressure of thin is good. I have to keep looking thin or else I don't look good. So I almost think it's just so engraved in society to comment on people's weight when they look good, that it makes people feel like that is what's driving their looks. Everybody could be more conscious of just how they talk about weight and maybe more conscious of not talking about weight. Mm. Because it sounds like your grandma talking about weight, even if it was a compliment, was kind of triggering for you because it put pressure on you to feel shame if you overate. We live in a superficial society, you know, and and I think that we are moving away from it. But um, recently, I remember, I don't know if you heard about this, but one of the Kardashians, I think it was Chloe, there was a picture that her grandmother, well, allegedly it was her grandmother, I've heard different things. It was either her grandmother or an assistant posted a picture of Khloe Kardashian and it was an unfiltered, unphotoshopped photo. And the Kardashian family was like, take this down. You know, they were filing or threatening to file legal suits if anyone posted it online. It was this huge thing that I kept hearing about. I saw the picture, Josie, she looked great. 
She just didn't look plastic. That was it. Exactly. And that's what, like, I've been watching a movie before and somebody has been like, oh, that actress or that actor has gotten curvy. And I look at their body and I'm thinking, they look like a healthy, normal human being. Right. Like, why are we saying that? Why is somebody saying that? And even things that I think are sometimes meant to be healthy, in quotes, for example, Instagram um, promoters that are promoting a healthy lifestyle of working out all the time and eating healthy and they're always so thin and they're always posting gym photos. Mm. Even though they're trying to promote a healthy lifestyle, I think stuff like that is triggering. I know something like that triggers me when I see somebody, mm. when I see a whole bunch of people in my Instagram feed posting gym photos and healthy eating and this and that, then if I turn to a night that I'm upset and I snack, then that's where I feel the shame. And in the back of my mind, I'm seeing these, you know, promoters that people love and just thinking about what their bodies look like. And though they're not my body. Well, and I think it kind of goes back to that thing that we were talking about that Morgan had said, you know, finding out what your body can do for you, you know, instead of how it looks. And I like to exercise because it really does make me feel good, you know, and sometimes it really sucks. Sometimes I hate exercising. I've talked about before trying to run. And sometimes I'm like, you know, I just, I can't run right now. I just turn on music and I dance any kind of physical activity that's going to make you feel better and get you moving. It doesn't matter how it's going to make your body look. If it makes you feel better. Exactly. And I think doing, you don't have to force yourself to do over the top things either. I think, you know, if you go for a walk on a nice day, that's wonderful. Just because you want to clear your mind. I feel like I need to start working out because it's healthy for my body and it Mm -hmm. gives me energy and not to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I need to start working out for the right reasons. So you're dealing with this traumatic thing that you've just spoke about. So how do you feel like you're going to overcome that or um, recover? I think I was really nervous. I've been thinking about it for a while Mm -hmm. since we chose this topic and I kept going back and forth. And you were kind of avoiding this topic for a while. (laughs) Well, we were going to start with this, remember? And then you were like, no, (laughs) it's really embarrassing. Like I said, I, I still feel that shame, you know, but I don't think I can use that shame as a a motivator. Um, and I did have some, there were some things that I was reading and one of them really struck with me and it was saying, you know, identify your stressors, you know, figure out what is triggering you. And, uh, have you no, been talking to somebody about it? No, maybe that's something too. Maybe I have to talk to somebody about it. I've just kind of, I've been journaling about it. I've been writing about it. And just, I think also thinking about, what we're doing with this podcast too is kind of Mm. like there's so many things going on that I'm trying to be aware of and just to be mindful of and just moving forward you know not just we're not just doing this Mm. for everyone else but we're also doing it for each other and for ourselves you know and Mm -hmm. so I have to be honest but I also have to work to become better um I mean that's a pretty serious thing it is and it can be yeah Mm -hmm. it can be really bad and yeah you're right I'm like, all right, let's stop talking about me. I shared my, I shared the bad problems that I deal with, but just, <laughs> what about you, Josie? You and anxious sacking, how do you know oh, yeah. affecting you? Oh yeah. So I also binge eat 
Um, I've never um, had bulimic tendencies, but I definitely binge eat and feel the shame. And when that happens to me, I just get super depressed for days. And then I try to push myself super hard with being extra healthy or working out or not eating two meals. And it's just kind of a roller coaster for me. I have this constant thought in my mind that when I'm upset, all I want is to eat. Mm. But then I have this conflicting emotion in my mind that says, don't eat. And so it's just this roller coaster back and forth. And both thoughts are problematic to me because food isn't evil. Food is nutritious to our bodies. Our bodies need food. So I'm trying to eliminate the thought that food is evil and food makes me, you know, feel bad. And I'm also trying to figure out, you know, how can I just stay calm so that when it comes to making a food choice, I can be mindful that I'm doing this for my body. So I want to put something good in it. So it's just kind of a roller coaster, but I definitely go through time. I mean, I've cried before because I've overeaten, you know, I've cried to Todd. I've been like, I overeat. I feel so bad. And, you know, oh, I, I'm supposed to, you know, only have this many calories a day at my size. And I obsess over the scale. I weigh myself all the time. And if I go up even a pound, I panic. It's just not a healthy mindset, you know? And I think it's something though, a lot of women deal with and I think I hear about more women dealing with it, but I'm sure a lot of guys deal with it too. And drinking more water is something I struggle with too, because everyone says, oh, water is really healthy. It helps you feel um, full so that when you do make a food choice, you're more likely to eat a healthy snack. Mm. But I have such a hard time drinking water. So I put lemons in it so that I can <laughs> taste something. And sometimes if I'm not hungry, but I feel like snacking, I will make myself a cup of tea instead, because if I don't put sugar in it, it's you know good for me, but it gives me something to do and it's kind of comforting. So if I'm upset, tea kind of fills the void. I think that was such a good way to put it. It is such a roller coaster. I found this thing about actually what constant snacking does to you. And I was really surprised to read this. So Ooh, was- I'm excited to hear this because I've always heard that snacking is good for you. So I'm interested. So it was a uh, study published in this journal called Churn It, excuse me, wow, Churn It, this journal called Current <laughs> Biology in January of 2020, so pretty recent, and it was saying that high-calorie foods do encourage pr- uh, pleasure in the brain, so, and it helps produce dopamine, which I feel, you know, dopamine is one of those, you know, shiny words that everyone's like, dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. I need it. <laughs> so, it does make you feel good. And the study used mice and it showed that there's a difference in what you eat. So when you snack more, it actually encourages you to eat more snacking. You know, it kind of flips the switch in your brain that snacking is good. Even if you're eating a well-varied diet, you will be more likely to choose the snacks. Um, And that's like, you know, if snacking becomes a regular thing. But then I also found this interesting, this interesting uh, information, and it was saying that 
the calories of snacking between meals are typically stored as fat more so than the same amount of calories eaten at scheduled routine meal times. So basically, if you consume 600 calories in snacking throughout those throughout the day, those calories will actually be stored as fat in your body. Whereas if you eat the same 600 calories eaten at breakfast, lunch, or dinner, those will be more likely used for your body as a function. So I thought that Hmm. that was so interesting because I have too, I've also heard, you know, that snacking, I think it's her metabolism up or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe it's what it is. It's if you eat small meals throughout the day, which maybe I'm mistaking that to be the same as snacking, but maybe, maybe I am too. Say you're eating 600 calories of just, you know, chips, even if you eat those 600 calories at breakfast with like an egg and a piece of toast and an apple, Mm -hmm. the chips will go, will be like, if they're eaten throughout the day, your body will be like, oh, this is fat. This is fun. You know, whereas your breakfast Mm. meal, even if it's the same amount of calories, your body will be like, Ooh, this is good for me. It's going to help my brain. It's glucose to the brain. Your body processes it as a meal Mm -hmm. more than it will eating that throughout the day. That's interesting. Then of course, you know, we could share the information about how it's bad for your heart health and it's bad for Mm -hmm. your cholesterol, you know, but I think we're not doing this to judge anybody. We're not doing this to scare anybody. It's just more informative because we all know that too much sugar and too much salt, and too much fat is not good. You know, that's kind of a given. This is just more of a, that's interesting, you know, looking at my own life, you know, do I want to make a change, you know, so just kind of food for thought. Um, I feel like we can't talk about anxiety and snacking without talking about negative self-talk. And what I mean by that is the people who are clearly not fat that call themselves fat in front of others, because I think that that happens a lot. If somebody says that, and they're clearly maybe not as curvy as someone else that they're saying it to, it can make that person feel bad. And I don't know about you, but I can think of a lot of people that have, that are, have said that to me before. Oh, I'm fat. I've said it. I I think that's a huge thing that happens. And I think that causes a lot of anxiety in people because it is making people feel again, like that is bad, which isn't always the case. So counter argument, I think, because I've said that too, I have said, oh, I'm so fat. And I don't mean it as, at least for myself, I'm not saying it, oh, oh, you know, I want you to tell me and comfort me and say, oh, no, you're not, you're so beautiful. I actually am saying it like, you know, I'm hanging out with someone else and I'm thinking, oh, the last time they saw me, I might've been a little bit skinnier. And so if I acknowledge it first, then maybe they won't feel so awkward and we can just move past it. I think if somebody is saying that they're having some sort of insecurity, no matter what it is, it might be weight related. It might be, maybe they're not sleeping well, or, you know, I think that there's something going on that's making them sensitive. And I, I think a lot of us, I mean, I remember being in high school Uh, there was the, can your elbows touch behind your back, you know? And I'd be like, I don't know. And of course I know that that was just guys wanting to see my, you know, like my cleavage pop, you know, so there's definitely the difference between, you know, wanting the attention, but then also just 
I guess I need to rephrase. I wasn't meaning that that person was wanting attention. I was just meaning that them saying that I think is not only hurting them, it can be hurting others. Oh, okay. I see so, so somebody saying that is definitely upset and, you know, could be anxious and depressed about um, things with themselves. But I think mm-hmm. they're also could be making other people feel bad at the same time, not on purpose. Right. But I, I guess my, my point is, is that fat talk quote, negative self-talk that kind of thing is bad for pretty much everybody so you're kind of saying you know somebody who might be more average size uh if they say oh i'm so fat and then someone who is a little bit bigger if they hear that they may be like wow you think you're fat and they might might start it might be like a domino effect yeah and even if somebody even if somebody isn't bigger than them and hearing that it's still Mm -hmm. saying that fat equals bad and it just makes me wonder, I hope that at some point we can kind of get away from feeling like weight means anything. Right. I do think that's really important. And I think I'm a little conflicted in some ways because I also do think that there has to be a, a good balance, you know, because I don't think that it's almost when people, you know, sometimes I've done this. I'm like, if I admit I have a problem, then I can continue to have this problem. Like right now, I, I I just admitted that I struggle with bulimia. Just because I admitted it, that doesn't mean that now I can continue to do it because I've admitted it to people. Mm-hmm. And so I think with weight gain, I know that there are medical conditions that can affect somebody's metabolism. And and there are also emotional things too, you know, that we, we don't know people's story. And, and I just want to mm-hmm. reiterate, we are not trying to judge anybody. But I also feel that... There are shows, you know, the, my 600 pound life. Mm. I do, I do want to say that, you know, that I care about everybody. I try to be understanding and compassionate. It's hard for me to condone that kind of behavior where you make a lifestyle out of constantly eating and in doctors are telling you, you, like, I remember hearing about, there's a woman who was on one of those shows and she wanted to have children and the doctors are saying it's really dangerous for you and I can't remember the exact situation but I think she just kept eating because her partner wanted her to keep eating there was some kind of weird dynamic going on that I wasn't entirely sure of but I I'm just trying to and I'm trying to be really cautious in this too I'm really trying not to be judgmental but I don't think that just because you if you've gained some weight that's one thing but if you continue to gain weight because you just don't care because Mm -hmm. you, you know, someone might be telling you, oh, this could be really unhealthy for you. Or, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like smoking in a way. And I know, I know too, that that's a sensitive thing too, because addictions happen and that's, and that's kind of what snacking is and overeating is it's an addiction in a way, you know? So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to find that, that right, the right way to say it without coming off as judgmental. Yeah. I, I guess my thought behind that is, if somebody continues to eat because maybe they've experienced early childhood trauma that stemmed it and now they just continue to eat and make a lifestyle out of it, so to speak, I guess I'm wondering if they don't, if they don't stop, is that any different than somebody who ha- suffers from depression and doesn't stop being depressed? But you know, when someone says you have to stop hiding inside, you, and someone's like, well, I have depression. 
Is that, is that the same thing as someone saying, well, you have to stop eating. Well, I have, you know, issues with eating or whatever. That's a really interesting thing to think about. I mean, so I have people close to me who struggle with bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. and they take medication for it. And, um, at one point this person was told that, oh, you can stop taking your medication. If you just eat right, if you pray about it, if you do these exercises, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So this person stopped cold turkey and this person- Was it a doctor that told them to do nope. that? No. Just a person. It was um, like a homeopathic specialist. Okay. okay. Like, a, like uh, a naturopath. Yeah. Okay. And so- So anyways, shortly after this person that I knew, shortly after cold turkey stopping their medication, they started getting really angry and violent and they ended up getting arrested. And so I think that obviously, you know, medication isn't the only answer if you have depression. I think that therapy can help and journaling can help. A mix of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If they're, you know, just like mental health, I think about it just like diabetes. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have diabetes, you have your insulin, but you also should probably try to eat healthy and stay active. Mm -hmm. I I think if if you need help and you're prescribed a medication to help, there's nothing wrong with that. And yes, you want to be healthy as well, but I think it's almost like you might need a combination of things, right? Oh, definitely. I guess I... I just feel that when somebody goes on a television show and they're hurting themselves by eating a ton of food and by not doing anything to address that, and I don't know their story, you know, but I, I just don't think that that's the right action to take, you know, and, I, and I'm not trying to say that, you know, because you're overweight, there's anything wrong with you. I think that there are just, maybe there's something going on that is affecting you. And if you get that help, then I think that that could be really positive. Mm -hmm. I will say um, when it comes to television and media on the positive side, I feel like now more than ever in my life, I've seen curvy models or commercials with women of 12 different body types. You know, I see bra commercials and they show women of all different body types. And I'm like, finally, this is great because I remember growing up and you just see Victoria's Secret commercials. They're all stick thin. They all have the same body. Right. And there's nothing wrong with being thin either, but it's like, not everyone is. So I'm so happy now that I, even though there is a lot of negative messages in the media, I am starting to notice that companies are actually showing women of all different sizes and colors. I really like this clothing company called company called Mod Cloth and I follow them on Instagram and they are phenomenal at promoting all the different body types, um, including people who have disabilities and different colors and just, you know, embracing and making that diversity beautiful because that's mm. what the world is. We can't, we can't confine the world to, to one, to one color or to one exactly. shape or to one size, because that's not what the world is. The world is round. So why can't I be? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everyone, I feel like it's just about, um, inclusivity, you know, mm-hmm. like at, at all shapes and sizes, welcome all colors, everything. And I think, 
when it comes to anxiety and eating, everyone's got different reasons, whether they overeat, undereat. But I think like we say this in everyone's in every episode, no one's alone. We all struggle with different things and um, have our own paths with food. Yeah. And that's so true. And yeah, we, we just want to open that dialogue and just make, make you feel, you know, listeners make you feel comfortable and validated and listened to. Um, This brings me into, I kind of brought it up earlier, but I read about um, the five ways to stop stress eating and, and why you should. Oh, I was going to say, we should talk about tips. Yeah. And so one of the things that I talked about was, you know, figuring out exactly what your stressors are, what your triggers are, and really being able to clearly identify those. Mm-hmm. Um, because one then- of my triggers is cheese. <laughs> well, I don't, <laughs> Josie, I think you're misunderstanding. <laughs> no, no, it is. Cheese upsets me because it hurts my tummy, but I still want it. So then I get oh. triggered and then I eat it all. We're just a couple of gassy lassies. <laughs> I am. It's so awful. Sorry. What else? What are the other good tips? Well, I was going to say, I don't think it's really about the foods that are a trigger, but you know what? You, you proved me wrong. So. Yes. Cheese can be a trigger. Um, and then they also talked about finding moments of exercise. I read this really um, uplifting thing that was saying, There's a study showing that even a 10 minute walk can help decrease anxious and depressing thoughts, which can prove to be just as good as a 45 minute workout. So basically it's equivalent to taking aspirin for a headache. You know, it's not a complete solution, but it's still offering you that relief. This kind of goes to what you were saying, you know, all right, if there's any therapists out there, give me a number. (laughs) Yes. All of the therapists. Um, be honest and find the help you need. So if there's something, if this is something that runs deep for you and it's not, you know, an occasional thing, but it's really triggering for you, there's no guilt. There's no shame. There's no regret in finding a professional, you know, there's just, there's so much help from that. And I have seen a therapist before, so Mm -hmm. I think I just need to, I need to get back on. It's been a tough year. You know, I think a lot of people are going back to, I think a lot of people who thought they got over things then maybe, but might've been triggered by the events of this year. Mm-hmm. I know I have, and I've started th- seeing a therapist again. It's been a tough year. Yeah. Um, the next one was talking about that mindfulness. So they talked about intuitive eating, which I have heard of before. Um, I know my family is really good at that. I remember there was one time I went over for dinner and they were all sitting around the kitchen table. They had a, a single candle in the middle. All the lights are off and they have a candle burning and they're all eating their food and chewing it for 20 seconds. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> I haven't seen you all. Hello. And they're like, Shh, we're eating. So and funny because I could just picture them all in the candlelight. And um, and it was, you know, there, and then afterwards they talked about the flavors and the spices. And and at first I was a little weirded out, but then I got more into it. And and it is true, you know, you can maybe this yeah. is how we'll become a food critic. We'll just be intuitive eaters. And then uh, um, that is one of the things I need to try because and I don't think I got to say this when I talked about my experience, but I am a fast eater, like mm. rapid fast. And I think that's how I end up overeating is I like shovel it in. I'm mm. not being mindful about it. So like my stomach doesn't register. It's full in time. 
And so I think that would help me intuitive eating. I like that. Yeah. And then the last one, which was kind of ties into that is just listening to your body and paying respect to the signals, you know, just knowing, okay, am I hungry or am I thirsty? Am I sad or am I hungry? You know, figuring out exactly what your body is dealing with. And so, um, that kind of like that just ties into this whole thing, you know, just figuring mm-hmm. out who you are and and what's going on and just being honest with yourself. You know, if I can be honest mm-hmm. with everybody, you know, you can be honest with yourself in your own moments. Mm-hmm. Honesty, it feels good. Honestly, it, it does. Yeah. I like all of those things. I think for me, the one that I need to try is the intuitive eating part. What about for you? Yeah, I think finding and figuring out what my triggers are. I think that that's something I think you, I think you're right. Like, I think it is definitely something that's concerning. And I hope that in by sharing my experience and, and thank you for listening, you know, and thank everyone Thanks you know, for sharing. <laughs> my hands are still sweaty from it. You know, I know. <laughs> she did. I could see her face. She did look very nervous and I felt nervous hearing it. Cause this is really shocking, but yeah, I think like you said, triggers, not being afraid to ask for help. That whole thing. about And I think number one is loving yourself too, you know, um, remembering that you can be you. We went to the same high school. I don't know if you were there at the time, but there was this thing called I of lack. Do you remember this? It was, I, yeah, I am lovable and I am capable. I lack. I do remember that. It's so I funny love that that's a great gratitude, you know, I know. Like to write down. And I don't know why they brought it up, but I still remember it obviously to this day. So I elect, I am lovable and I am capable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Start your day saying that, end your day saying that. Mm-hmm. You get stressed because you overate, say it. If you get stressed because you feel pressured to work out, you don't want to say it. Yep. <laughs> If there was ever a second coming on Monday, it's right now. Right? <laughs> oh my God, Josie, this is hard. Right. <laughs> and now it's time to share what's helping us get through the week. What's offering us comfort, distraction, laughter, and all of the above? It's time for... It's time for... Recommendations and Observations. Recommendations. Observations. Recommendation time. So Josie, what are you recommending this week? So I have two this week. One I was planning on doing anyway, just because um, I'm, I've had a really busy, stressful couple of weeks and it's just something that's really helped me get through. And the other one, I just felt like I had to recommend it because it kind of pertains to this episode. So I'll, I'll start with that one. So I follow this Instagram account called I way. So I underscore W E I G H. And it's um, by Jamila Jamil is her name. And it's about radical inclusivity so that no one feels alone. She says our job is to amplify advocate and pass the mic. And basically, the Instagram has all of these posts that just make you feel so good. So 
For example, she posted one that said myth versus fact. And it says, let's clear up six common misunderstandings and myths related to eating disorders. And then you slide through and she says a myth and then a fact, but they make you feel really good and accepted. Um, and she also has a podcast. So I weigh, it's, it's great. And it just, I think it really ties into what we talked about today. Cause a lot of it is about feeling good in your own body and um, asking for help when you need it. So that's my first one. Why don't you say one of yours and then I'll go back to mine. So it's not just me blabbing. Sure. Well, I just first want to say, I love that. I've heard of that before, but I don't think that I actually follow it. So I'm going to have to check oh, that you out. Should. Perfect. So uh, my actually, my recommendation is actually related as well. And I actually did not plan that. Mm -hmm. I started reading this book a few weeks ago and mm -hmm. it's a book called Milk Fed by Melissa Broder. Um, it's written in first person, which I always, for some reason, I feel when I read first person, I feel like I'm reading somebody's diary or they're, you know, I just, I feel like there's a little bit more. Yeah, so first person is when I just have to remind myself, I feel dumb. It's late at night. <laughs> first person is when you're in their head, right? It's as yep. if they're talking to themselves. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of I and me. <laughs> yep. Okay. So anyway, so this book milk fed, um, it actually explores this woman who um, talks about having this really kind of toxic relationship with her mother and her mother always wanted her to be skinny. And so it talks about this, it follows this woman who deals with that, you know, she counts out her calories. She, you know, eats a ton of protein bars um, and is just really regimented and works out for three hours a day. You know, it's just a really strict, lifestyle. And then she ends up meeting this woman uh, at a frozen yogurt shop who is overweight. And um, she just starts to find herself being attracted to this woman. And so it explores that whole relationship. Um, and both women are Jewish as well. So it talks about that as well. And, you know, that kind of culture. So it's just, mm -hmm. it's really raw and it's really sexy. Um, but it's also just really vulnerable. And I also oh, when you say attracted, you mean like sexually attracted to her, not yeah. attracted to her as a human. Oh, I like it. Okay. You're in first person. So I'm thinking it must be pretty deep and mm -hmm. emotional, but then it's also like a romance sort of. It kind of it, I haven't finished it yet. It kind of just, it really focuses on this one woman and just her relationship with herself, with other people, and then trying to become a person separate from her mother's ideology of who she should be. Um, that sounds really good. It's really phenomenal. And it's just written in a way that, you know, sometimes there's a sentence that will just hit me and I have to stop and think about it. So that's my recommendation, Milk Fed by Melissa Broder. I just have one recommendation, oh. but what's your other recommendation, Josie? I didn't, I, I, oh, sometimes I just randomly have two because it just feels right. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so I love short meditations, usually like 15 to 30 minutes um, when I'm feeling stressed or when I can't sleep. And kind of like what we do with our 30 second meditations, if anyone hasn't heard them yet. Um, ours are kind of funny though, that these ones are different, but I follow um, this podcast called Woman's Meditation Network. 
And they have a whole bunch of different meditations focused on all kinds of things, relax, sleep, anxiety, stress, detaching from your thoughts, no matter how you're feeling, pretty much find a meditation for you at that moment. And sometimes they're just a quick 15 minutes. So you could do it at lunch. You could do it whenever easy to fit into your day, but she always has great music in the background and a super calming voice, but it's, um, stress awareness month. So I felt like I had to talk about this because she has a whole stress relief, like meditations segment. So Mm. a whole bunch of meditations just focused on stress that, um, came out. I think that one came out this month or she like redid it for this month, but it says stress awareness month. So check it out. Women's meditation network. I love that. It's nice. It gets me through a lot. I listened to one before we started the podcast. <laughs> You're like, oh no, I'm going to see Dorothy. Gotta, gotta. Oh, I was like, oh God, I'm going to podcast about stress. I got to listen to a meditation. <laughs> Happy stress awareness month. Well, thank you all for joining us, for letting us be in your ears. As always, you can find letting us, on- us be open. Yeah, thank you for listening, and and you can always find us on Facebook or on Instagram. You can send us an email at Taipei for anxious yeah. at gmail.com. There's a lot of letters in there for me. Yeah, minute. and and our podcast is available pretty much anywhere now that podcasts are. We're making Yay. something, Josie. <laughs> We're making something and sharing things. <laughs> well, thank you all again. Bye. Bye. When it hits with full force, I've got to stop its course because I feel my mind's up to spin. Do you have anxiety or something you're currently struggling with? Send us an email if you'd like to share, anonymously or not. You can always reach out to us at typeaforanxious at gmail.com or give us a follow on Instagram. We might just have some advice or a similar experience to share. Remember, sharing is caring, and we're here to listen and validate. This has been a Living Room production, supported by our patient husbands and our furry friends, supplemented by wine and snacks. The views represented in this show do not reflect the companies that we work for. These are our own opinions. But thank you for listening, and until next time, love your type A girls, Dorothy and Josie. world is round, so why can't I be?